0: Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Alexander Kazina, aka Cozy Bear, and this is Pitch Perfect, the only game show on the internet where two teams compete to deliver me the perfect pitch. Tonight, I'm joined by an assortment of faces both familiar and new to Respawn Aim Fire. Over on the red team, we have Chad Mike Innes. Hi, y'all. And joining him as his second-in-command, or maybe first-in-command. We'll see how the dynamics uh, so happen to play out. Uh, The one and only Asa, a.k.a. Asa.
1: It's the second one. Asa Gray, the (laughs) five-star man, bringing you a five-star pitch. They are not ready. Oh, man. This is going to be exciting.
0: And in the yellow team, we have, of course, Raf regular Adam Gumby. (laughs) <laughs> and joining him, his partner in crime, the one, the only, Ari. Hello. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I, <laughs> yeah, I hope there is good. a correct pronunciation.
2: Nah, it's fine. Um, I hang out on things and uh, write pitches for fun with my friend. So Ooh. it's going to be a great time. Excellent.
0: All righty. Before we go any further, I'm behooved to remind everybody watching or listening in at home uh, that this production you're currently enjoying is part of a series of monthly rotating shows we do in addition to the Respawn Aim Fire podcast and that you uh, can enjoy new installments of this show a month early if you subscribe to us over on Patreon over at patreon.com slash respawn aim fire. Now that we've gotten all that out of the way let's get this show on the road. In case this is your first time tuning in, Pitch Perfect is a semi-improvised game show inspired by Kinda Funny's Debatable, in which two contestants, or in this case, two teams of contestants will pitch me various ideas that I will rank against each other on an ever-growing top 10 list. At the end of the evening, whichever team has the most pitches in the top five spots on the list will win the show and earn Pitch Perfect Bragging Rights, also known as PP Bragging Rights for short. For our (laughs) second ever installment of Pitch Perfect... I wanted to draw upon some recent developments in Hollywood. After years of flops and missteps, the video game industry has finally started making motion pictures that have captured the hearts and dollar bills of audiences around the globe. With the Super Mario Bros. movie this past April shattering box office expectations just here, there, everywhere, all around this here deep planet. Earth. Invariably, as more and more video games make their way to the silver screen, we're likely to see many companies follow in Marvel's footsteps and attempt to in-connect, interconnect their properties into sweeping cinematic universes. It's an exciting prospect, but if, for example, the Dark Universe is any indication, only some of these games turned cinematic universes will likely ever see the light of day. And today, I'll be judging where this light is fated to shine next and where it is fated to fail by letting Chad and Adam's teams pitch me competing cinematic universes derived from the characters and worlds of two of the industry's biggest video game companies. In round one of tonight's show, both Chad and Adam's teams will take turns presenting me pitches for five interconnected movies, each based on properties owned by their chosen company. Based on their quality and creativity, I'll be ranking each pitch on the list as it grows until all ten in total have been presented. At which point I'll read off the list as it currently shakes down and we'll move on to round two. Are we ready to start?
1: Oh yeah. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Hell yeah. Seems like Red Team's way more ready. I'm just saying. Uh, look.
2: Uh, yeah. Look, I'm new here. I'm a little, you know, it's the, I don't know the, I'm not super familiar with the format, so once we get in, it'll be fine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that everything will go all according to plan, much like the MCU these days. Uh, Chad, Asa, two seem like you're rearing to start. Before we hear your first pitch, what video game company did you choose to go with and Why? We
3: have Capcom as our chosen video game publishing house. Uh, there are a ton of really great IP buried in, in Capcom's history. Some of them famous, some of them not as famous that we're going to draw on and make them similar to like Guardians of the Galaxy that kind of idea. So uh, yeah, we've got a, we've got a rich history of things to pull on for our our movie cinematic universe. Ace, would yeah. you like to add anything?
1: There's just there's a lot of. Uh hidden gems it feels like um i feel like we are giving some love to some of these franchises that capcom itself has not particularly shown uh, over the last couple years slash console generations worth so very very excited to kind of flesh out maybe even show capcom its own potential of what it has in its hands
3: what a great opportunity too for synergy right release blockbuster movies that then drive sales of the games and interest in remasters and continuing on these things, it's, it's going to be wonderful. You're going to really Absolutely. like the way you look. I guarantee it.
0: Before I hand the mic fully over to Chad and Asa, Yellow Team, do you want to talk a little bit about the company that you chose and why you chose it?
4: Oh, boy. We chose a little small indie startup called mm-hmm. Electronic Arts. They've got all the cool IP. They're the cool kids on the block, and we're here to make their image good because that's what you do (laughs) my main thing here is that it doesn't matter what i'm telling you now because my partner when i said hey can you make some pitches for some video game movies i'm now staring at a 14 page document i believe these pitches are so good it doesn't matter what company we had we're gonna bring it to prominence but yes we did pick ea for the vast library of super cool things that they have. Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: we didn't pick things that were necessarily unknown, but we're potentially doing some things with IP that you're familiar with that you don't quite expect.
0: Ooh, that's really, really exciting. But before we can hear some of these unexpected pitches, we have to hear some unexpected pitches from Chad and Asa. Are you guys ready to give us your first pitch? We are yes. ready. <clears throat> the floor is yours. All right, so
3: we've, we've decided ahead of time because we plan this out real well. I'm gonna pitch you on a game. It's a game you might be familiar with called Dead Rising. Here's our pitch, 2006, same year the game came out. Takes place Metropolis at Metrotown. What is that? Oh, maybe it's the largest mall in British Columbia in Vancouver. Maybe it's a great destination. Maybe it's a great setting for this film. The plot of this movie, it's a horror film with comedic elements. Why the comedic elements? One, to break the tension, make it relatable, and to show off our main character, Ryan Reynolds, Canadian actor as Frank West. There's a deadly pathogen, it's released and it's turning folks into zombies, and the world's most amazing and beautiful mall is the centerpiece of it all. Ryan Reynolds is trapped in what will soon be ground zero for a nuclear attack aimed to destroy the outbreak before it spreads worldwide. He fights with all sorts of fun Capcom properties, things like Devil May Cry swords, a, con- a couple of uh, uh, toy robot dogs in a tech shop in the mall, maybe one that resembles Rush from Mega Man, one that resembles Amaratsu from Okami, and in the background we see advertisements for the Mega Man movies, huh, I wonder why, which are action movies in that universe. Here's the thing though, movie goes on, Ryan Reynolds, who knows his fate, End of the movie, post credit scene. We're panning across a dead, empty, destroyed mall. Zombie corpses everywhere. Portal opens up in a GameStop in the mall. Bright, blinding white, white light behind them and a silhouette of an armored individual. We hear a female AI voice say, John, I think we found it.
0: Ooh. Black screen, white
3: text on the screen saying, Frank West will return.
0: Shit. End of it. It, does this pitch have a like particular name or is it just Dead Rising? Here's the thing. We're building a
3: universe. We have IP that we need to rely on that customer base to come out. If we, if we call it anything other than Dead Rising, we're doing a disservice to this franchise. So we're sticking with the simple Dead
0: Rising for this one. Okay. Okay. I, I respect it. I respect it. I got to say, I, I want to get this out up front right here right now I am so pleased that right off the bat you guys are taking this so seriously because I was really concerned we were going to get a repeat of what was it the Xbox Game Pass ride or whatever the hell it was (laughs) Right off the bat, these are so happy to hear you
3: acknowledge that was a bad idea right
0: now. (laughs) I mean, it was a bad idea. It wasn't the worst idea. (laughs) The the, the VR room or whatever that was was That weird
4: VR room? Yeah, that was awful.
0: (laughs) But yeah, that was really good. An attraction
3: that's literally a ticket!
0: (laughs) But just
1: the the one ticket. Real talk.
0: Real talk. Uh That was a great pitch. Uh, Ultimately um it can only go at the number one spot on this list because it's the only pitch so far but uh, i'm gonna be surprised if it immediately gets uh toppled but but there are two people that can make me eat my words are you guys ready for your first pitch
4: yes we've decided to have these pitches we'll go back and forth and the partner can jump in or whatever by the way these are full pitches buckle in okay get a a beverage these are not play around so we're going to go ahead and start off with the first one, which I think is the easiest sell. I mean, these movies have already been made, basically. Uh, so we're going we're to do a, a very popular uh, EAIP. We're going to go Mass Effect, obviously. It's Big Hutter. Everyone like Mass Effect. Sci-fi. It's really big. But we're going to do something interesting. We're going to do sort of an origin story, sort of a side story. We're going to give it Mass Effect Arch Archangel is the movie we're making. What okay. was Garrus? What was Garrus doing during Ah, those years? ah, When did Garrus become an interesting
0: name? I forgot in Mass Effect 2, Garrus has the codename Archangel. Can't pronounce it. Designated by him by, uh, what's his name? Elusive
4: Martin Sheen. What's his face? Uh, Yeah, Martin Sheen. Yep, absolutely. So, some keywords. These are, man, I got keywords and inspirations, and I got pictures, and I got directors, and I have actors. I've got all of it. Uh, Thank you very much, my partner. All right, so. Sci-fi, action, revenge, found family, popcorn, flick. These are some of the words that you're throwing out. Like, hey, this is cool. Inspirations. Very John Wick. A little bit of cyberpunk thrown in there whenever we talk about the style. You know, very neon, very future, futuristic. But it's basically Space John Wick. Let me tell you how this movie opens up. (sighs) This is gonna be fun. All right. Buckle in, like I said. Movie opens up. Hangar Bay, space station. Gang members from three different gangs. And by the way, all of this. research this is literally like from the lore of the video game so none of this is messed up it's all
2: this is almost directly opening scene it's pulled from um a comic that was done that kind of briefly goes over the garris archangel kind of story i wonder if this is based on that as well
4: did this much research i don't think so all right opens up on a hangar bay gang members from three different gangs are scattered around hiding behind cover from a second level balcony across the room there are corpses littering the floor, dead to a single bullet. I wonder who that single bullet sniper is. A human in red and a Batarian in blue are hiding behind a low shipping crate. The Batarian can't believe they're doing all this for one man. Peeks above the crate. It's not just any man. It's the Archangel. Did you hear me whisper? It's the Archangel. Wait, there's his <laughs> name. It's right there. The Batarian takes the sniper shot to the head and collapses. We see the muzzle of a sniper disappear back behind the balcony. We then hear the lovely voice of Garrus, played by Paul Bettany. Mm-hmm. Everyone's favorite Brit. He's here. As shots fire from around the room, pinging against the walls around the target. Begin recording. This is all Paul Bettany now. I will not let the gangs of Omega slander the courage of my team. They will not use uh, our defeat to squash the courage of the people here to push them further under their thumb. We were protectors. We were fighters. We were hope. I was righteous. I was blind. I was a fool. I will not let lies be the goods on my grave. This is the final reckoning of the Archangel. Holy shit. This movie is amazing. Already... And that's just the intro. That's a cold open, baby. We're going back. Uh, Mass Effect Archangel tells the exploits of Garrus, played by Paul Bettany, to free the space station Omega from the oppression and fear of three gangs that run it. We'll see him and his Turian friend. How do you say this? I, make I sure think I it's that. Sidonis. Stay Sidonis? Bonus.
2: Sidonis? It's a comic. I can't. They have that's no Oh, yeah. Lots of research
3: done here. Yeah. don't even know I don't how to hear. pronounce
2: what you wrote.
4: Sidonis, <laughs> gather a crew. By the way, Sidonis, played by Timothy Chalamet. Uh, the other Turian in this movie, uh, gather a crew of uh, competent specialists who have their own bones to pick with the gangs and act vigilant justice against the station. Uh, it leads to the three gangs, and by the way, Chad, you wouldn't know because you don't know video games, Blue Suns, Eclipse, and Blood Pack are the gangs that are in uh, Omega and Mass Effect, coming together under the leadership of Ari Pailoke, played by Letitia Wright, excuse me, Letitia Wright, because that's a, we'll talk about that with the director in a second. Uh, Some internal conflict here, Um, not all leaders want to work together or be under Arya's command, but the threat of the Angels is too high for them to ignore. They're getting sniped, they got to work together. Uh, Plot-wise, it's Angels versus the Gangs of Omega, large action sequences and firefights of the crew coming together and protecting the people at the station. Garrus is afraid to make friends again after everything that happened with Shepard, because hey, guess what, Shepard died two years ago. He got sucked into space and he's dead, and and Garrus is on his own. Uh, but slowly, Sidonis and others convince him to come out of a shell of their leader. Sidonis is the more likable of the two, but there's something about Garrus' zealousness toward righteousness that's infectious and motivates the crew. We got a little found family. We got a Guardians of the Galaxy. Everyone's coming together. Everyone loves Garrus. I mean, everyone loves Garrus in real life. We're doing mm-hmm, it here mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are tensions. Further into the story, there becomes a bit of a rift in the Angels. Uh, they've uh, acclimated some credit, and people joke about making up to just leave the station and live content lives, plain sized okay. like, oh, I've really, got more. Stop I, me. I am really enjoying this pitch. I'm uh-huh. incredibly
0: impressed by the level of research that has gone yep. into this, but, and, and I don't like, here's the thing. I don't want to put a timer on people's then pitches. Don't. I don't want to prevent them from <laughs> spilling their hearts content, but we got to keep I'll, this succinct. I'll wrap it All up right? for
4: you. Basically. So turns on the team, tries to sell them out to the, uh, to the game leaders. um, and then Garrus has the final... Basically, the mission that's in Mass Effect 2, we get to that point where basically all Garrus's team slowly dies. At the very end, he's having the firefight. We go back to the recording at the beginning, and we see a little flash of of 7 armor coming on his way. We literally tell the story of when Shepard dies to when Shepard comes back, and Garrus' story is Archangel. Director, Ryan Coogler. That's why Letitia's right in there. We know her as the new Black Panther. Garrus is Paul Bettany. Uh, Sidonis is Timothy Chalamet. In the crew, Michael B. Jordan, because he's in all of Ryan Coogler's movies. Um, oh, I didn't mention this. there's one of the
2: yeah yeah go ahead go, for it. go ahead there's a, a 10 person crew they all cast it we don't need to name them all
4: we don't need to name all of them basically we again we know Um, the leader of the blood uh, the blood gang he's a big krogan played by Alan Richardson who you may know from Fast and Furious you may know or, from Reacher from Titans or from Titans <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, Willem Dafoe plays a human mercenary leader of the Bloom Sons because he looks like a creepy alien and Jiroth, who is a Solarian leader of Eclipse, is played by Doug Jones. We know as the big man from Shape of Water. There you cool. go. That's it? Since I had to be cut off. Yeah, yeah. that's it. I mean, I had more, but that's <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> okay. I, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll reiterate what I said earlier. That is like a meticulously researched pitch. You know, as you described Garrus' whole situation over on the Omega asteroid, I was brought back to that mission in Mass Effect 2. I actually replayed it relatively recently when they released the like definitive editions of those games not too long ago. Um, I really like it, and I'm not going to hold against you the fact that you took like the entirety of the road and then some <laughs> to explain it. But, but, the whole point of this game show is to pitch cinematic universes. And he pitched a great movie, but I couldn't really begin to comprehend as you gave the pitch how this lends into how this bleeds into the wider EA cinematic universe that you're building right now. And so for that reason, I'm afraid that it's going to have to go at the number two spot. It's still a very good pitch, Mm. but I just wanted a little bit more, some more building blocks explaining how you're going to tie it into EA's other property driven movies.
3: Alex, I appreciate you noticing greatness when greatness is there. One of the things we're doing is we're pitching movies right and and what i've learned when you pitch to creative people you don't want to tell them every single detail you want to give them just enough so that they feel they can contribute back they don't want to make your vision happen they want to be part of the vision themselves suck ass I think that's where we're going to go here with uh, with ace's next pitch I, in,
1: I don't know i feel like i wanted to hear more about who did you guys have as the second grip because i feel like you had a you had a name mm. ready to go Larry Johnson, yeah, yeah.
4: he actually worked on John Wick 2 and 3. He's very good, really good at that action. He's mm-hmm. he's a wonderful uh, second grip, and we wanted to bring him onto this movie. Yeah, I got an answer call. for all this. You can, you can play this <laughs> as a joke. I've got answers for all of this.
1: Do, I apologize if you thought that was a joke. <laughs> I wanted to know. Grip a very underrated position on a film set. All right. So for ours, as we you know, we as we respect the host's time, the audience time, you know, we're keeping these succinct. These are kind of elevator pitches just as like we want to get people excited. We want to get people like wanting more. Uh so our second movie that was briefly mentioned uh in that Dead Rising. Our second movie is Mega Man: Rise of the Robot Masters. I this is the more that I thought about this movie, the more mad that I got that it's not real. Uh this is a live-action adaptation, obviously very heavily CGI'd, uh, but this this fits, I think, uh, starring, w- in what a cast, when I tell you this cast, Ooh. Canadian Treasure, Elliot Page as Mega Man. Okay. We have Eugene Levy as Dr. Wiley. And
0: okay. then
1: among the variety of robot masters that we meet in this film, including Donald Sutherland, Nev Campbell, Tommy Chong... Proud Canadian. And of course, I gotta represent it, I gotta sneak wrestling in there somewhere. Kenny Omega as Cutman specifically. Uh the setting is the Far Future 20XX in beautiful Toronto. Uh the final climax of the movie does take place in the historic distillery district. Uh just a great, beautiful backdrop for the futuristic. Obviously, the distillery district continues to thrive. It, in I, I far feel like future. you guys
0: are really, really trying to curry my favor, setting all these movies in various Canadian cities. I
1: take are, such offense to that.
0: Are you Canadian, Alex? Oh yes, very.
3: Did
1: that
0: Hundred Coinc- percent coincidence.
1: I just, I, you know, I just looked at what the oh, best man. talent pool was and oh, where man. the best locations. Bring on would be. the
0: Monster Hunter movie, which takes place in a
1: fantasy world, but also Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> Sidebar, real quick, Chad. Check your Twitter DM. Just unrelated, unrelated. This is something different. We were talking about earlier. Uh, The plot of the movie is ultimately uh, pretty simple and straightforward, much like uh, if you remember, uh, well, time means nothing. So was it earlier this year? Was it last year, Uh, Lightyear? That was the movie that was based on the toy that was based on the Toy Story. It's a very similar, very straightforward situation here where in the Dead Rising universe, Mega Man is a very successful film franchise. Uh, It's beloved. It's gone on for multiple sequels. This is that first movie. Uh, This is the rise of the Robot Masters. This is the first of Mega Man's story in his battle against Dr. Wily and the forces of evil and the evil robots. Uh, You see it is a very, like I said, CGI-filled extravaganza as you see Mega Man battling the various Robot Masters, having to go through different perilous locations, ultimately overcoming the Robot Masters, stealing their weapon... Uh, adapting it to his own use and then using it as he continues to battle up to uh, the ultimate showdown with, again, the idea of Eugene Le- Levy makes me so happy. And again, I'm so mad that it's not real uh, as Dr. Wiley, where eventually the the, the film ends. I'm not going to spoil how, you know, just you'll have to wait and see. But in the post credit scene, which, again, we're building a shared universe, uh, we hear cut. We see Mega-, Mega Man is in the middle of a battle. He destroys uh, one of the smaller robots. He clears out the room. We hear we hear cut. And Mega Man breaks character. He takes off the helmet, which, uh-huh. you know, which he doesn't do. I know they did it in the cartoon, but he doesn't do in the movie. Uh, but he takes off the helmet. You see Elliot Page. He walks off set. He sits down. He's got a little plate from craft services. A female voice, though. He, he can hear it. And A female AI speaks and says, we see visual distortion to let us, or I'm sorry, excuse me. I apologize. I got excited. I misread this. We, the audience, see a visual distortion to let us know that Mega Man has been hacked. (gasps) The voice says, Mega Man, we need your help saving the future. And Elliot Page, as Mega Man replies, "Uh, you've got the wrong guy, lady. I'm just an actor. The voice says, that's precisely why we need you. Cuts to black. White text on screen: Mega Man will return.
0: I'm getting goosebumps, y'all. No, I am getting goosebumps. So hold on, I have a question because I just want to clarify things. Is the idea that <laughs> all of the events leading up to the post-credit scene where Elliot Page takes off the helmet are basically this film that's being made? Like they didn't actually happen.
1: So the the plot of Mega Man is like it. Yes, essentially, like we are seeing Elliot Page in the real world, like in our world, filming that Mega Man movie again. Hmm. Remember, but the rising
3: is the world that this takes place in. And in that it's just a movie franchise. Yeah. So it's 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 Elliot Page
1: as the actor like so, like Frank Reynolds or Frank Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds and Frank West. And it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Made my brain combine (laughs) all of those. Ryan Reynolds character, Frank West, knows Elliot Page, plays Mega Man. So it's a fictionalized version of Elliot Page that is hearing the mm. it 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 is like mm. Elliot
2: Page, the actor.
4: So it was all a dream, Wait. but worse.
2: It's, yeah, oh, quick no, question. It's how does how does Mega Man come back if Mega Man isn't real? Because you've now established that Mega Man doesn't actually exist in this universe, you know see. what? Hold on, you'll have to Hold see. On. I'm there's, gonna... there's oh, one. Last, there's one last thing, Alex, that we uh-huh. have to plug in here. This yeah. is a
3: way for us to make sure that in our shared cinematic universe, Frank West and Elliot Page as Mega Man are in the same time. You know, because Mega Man the movie takes place in 20XX. Right. That's far in the future. Right.
0: That's 2001. Okay. Here's the thing. I'm going to put this one at number three, not because I think it's that bad. I think there are a lot of interesting ideas at play here my issue is i just feel like a lot of my investment in the movie it it, kind of gets betrayed by that final post-credit scene as cool as it is and i feel like the payoff of that post-credit scene is only really going to come to fruition in whatever it is you have planned next and maybe that next thing is really really good but i feel like as its own standalone movie it doesn't work as well as it should but this isn't
1: a reveal like, this isn't like a, wait, this wasn't... it. Like, we've seen, we've established in Dead Rising that the Mega Man, it, that's a movie. We're just seeing that movie that Frank West was sitting there. He got his tickets from Fandango. He's got his bucket of popcorn. He just, wa- he watched the same movie we watched.
0: <laughs> I, and then it's just the post-credits. Scene. I, I understand. Yeah, hey. I, 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 I think thing. that my ranking still stands. Like I said, lots of good ideas. There's a lot of content in Sorry. here I like, but I feel like I need to, I'll need to hear all of your subsequent pitches to really fully appreciate what you have stored in those noggins of yours.
3: We've got a lot to build on.
0: All right. Yellow team, are we ready for pitch number two?
2: Oh, uh, we may have vaguely misunderstood the assignment. Um, (laughs) we brought to the table five franchises, not one franchise under a single EA banner. We have brought you, five properties that can be turned into films or large series. I can tell you from last time, that didn't matter
3: at all whether you followed the rules or not. (laughs)
2: Well, so keep that in mind. Um, For Mass Effect, the series is in fact doing Homeworld. There are five, I think, five issues of comics. You do. That's five films in the same universe. Um, Our next pitch. So what's really popular these days, right? We like retellings, we like remakes, we like reimaginings. It's what we're doing here, we're retelling video games in a cinematic format. So we're gonna uh, double down on that. What else is very popular? Children's horror. Super popular, you have Five Nights at Freddy's, Hello Neighbor, Poppy Playtime, all these things that take these very like childlike wonder and whimsy things and then puts that horror twist on them and kids absolutely eat that shit up. I have no idea why. So we present to you, we would like to pitch to you, an innovative animated movie that blends gothic and surreal in the form of American McGee's Alice, Ooh. Titled, titled Alice, The Madness of Wonderland. The movie opens up similar to the game. The story is Alice goes when she dreams, little child goes, dreams, is in Wonderland, has fun whimsy times. Her parents read her these stories when she goes to bed. Uh, then there is a fire in her house. Her parents both die and due to survivor's guilt and a bunch of other mental health issues, she kind of... Mentally, just leaves. She's never. She's not in Wonderland. She's not in the real world. She's just sort of in a, a dissociative coma for years. Her orderlies give her a stuffed rabbit many years later in hopes that it'll kind of draw her back into being who she is. And the rabbit starts talk to her, talking to her, and it's her old friend, the white rabbit from Wonderland, begging her to come back and save them. His pleas are enough to take her back, and we go from this very quick, short live action segment in the beginning to this psychedelic, surreal, gothic sort of animated style that is iterative in the same way that Spider-Verse, the animation for Spider-Verse iterated on um, action for animation. We want the same thing for horror and surrealism. Um, Again, not Spider-Verse style, but does a similar function to the animation. And Alice comes into her world. It is no longer the fun and whimsy land. It is a horrifying, dangerous world. All of her friends are now twisted monsters and she has to go through this world with her friend, the Cheshire Cat, to essentially defeat the Jabberwocky and defeat the Red Queen to save her, her, the world of her friends. Of course, this whole thing is a metaphor for mental health and her overcoming all of her, um, her personal issues and things like that, uh, which ends up being the recovery, which allows her to then wake up back in a live action setting, to then wake up, recover in the real world and be able to leave and continue on with her life. The sequels, of course, your franchisee comes in here with uh there's alice madness returns and you can continue to iterate on going back into wonderland over and over and over again even with different characters i gotta uh, say this movie oh. is directed really quickly um by henry selick so Ooh. part of the reason why the animation would work uh, the guy who did james the giant peach Coraline, and nightmare before christmas so taking the visual kind of styling of claymation and seeing what you can do when you give that a higher sort of animation budget
0: wow I gotta say, I really, really love this pitch. I, you know, love how much of like a an emotional spine this particular movie has. It isn't just, oh man, Mega Man runs around and shoots a lot of people. <laughs> there, There's actually like, you know, a character that is, Trying to just find a form of catharsis in a world of madness. I really, really love that. And I love that you went with, you know, not a super obvious property that is indeed owned by EA. And you went with a, you know, really talented director that I feel like most people, you know, would not immediately think to animate the next animated masterpiece. I think, ladies and gentlemen, that we have a new number one on our list. I will say... I will say I'm not it's not entirely clear to me just yet how Alice the Madness of Wonderland will tie into Mass Effect Archangel. I'm sure that as you you know deliver more and more pitches, <laughs> the grand vision <laughs> mm-hmm, of your cinematic mm-hmm. universe will become more clear. Uh, but until then, yep. Yep. Chad, Asa, are you ready for your next pitch? A- Asa. Asa. It's, it's Asa.
1: It's Asa. Asa. Heartache.
0: <laughs> and he doubles down.
3: I love it. Uh, yes, I'm. I'm not gonna lie. That was that was a great pitch. That was a great pitch. Very Lots good. of emotional heart in there. If you like emotional heart in your movies, wait till you hear what we've got next. Let me. It's
1: sell just you a shame. S- it's just a shame that EA will charge you an extra
2: ten dollars if you want to see the actual ending.
4: It's the What's movie fair? industry. It's twenty dollars. <laughs>
2: true. True. Fair. They don't need EA. Doesn't need to do a thing. The The industry is doing it on their own. <laughs> Let me tell you about Street Fighter World Battle
3: Tournament. You think Street Fighter, who do you think of? Ryu? Ken? Absolutely. And so do we. Stick to the classics. Who do we have? Canadian actor Tom Cavanaugh as Ryu. And Canadian actor Hayden Christensen bringing that Darth Vader star power as Ken. Here's the setting. 2012, you might notice it's a little bit further along in our timeline from when we launched Dead Rising in 2006, the setting being 2006. 2012, all centered around one tournament happening at the gorgeous <laughs> Olympic Stadium in stunning Montreal. Absolutely beautiful. Here's the plot. We have, your it's your classic MMA boxing fighting movie, but we have two champions fighting for different reasons. Ryu is a single dad. Didn't see that coming, did you? We use a single dad. Mom, his wife, girl's mom died long ago. And he's fighting because it's really the only way that he knows how to support his family and make sure that his daughter has the life that he wants her to have. So he's out there using his body to bring home the bread so that she can eat. Then we have Ken. He was brought up in a different type of household. He was taught to perfectly hone his craft and be technically superior and he'll always be able to win with that. But He struggles with imperfection and failure. And we see that through a backstory where six years previous, Ken was not able to fight off some zombies and instead lost his entire family. Wow. He was on a trip, you guessed it, to Vancouver where there was an outbreak. Ken survived, rest of the family gone. So here's this tournament. The two start as rivals, Ryu versus Ken, in the largest fighting tournament ever. Ryu fighting for that cash prize so he can support his daughter. Ken fighting for the title and the renown to justify his ability to fight and so that he can feel forgiven for what happened to his family. By the end of the match, they learn to embrace their weaknesses and in fact, they fight as a team to win the tournament together, sharing that cash prize. I won't reveal to you how that happens. That's, we'll keep that for the movie. But the most important part of the movie is the badass theme song. Rivaling that of Mortal Kombat, and that kicks in moment the, the climax comes. In.
1: <laughs> you're gonna think, you're gonna That's... hear this song, and you're gonna immediately just be like, I... "Mortal Kombat, what?" It's I... it's I... gonna replace I... it within the zeitgeist. It's gonna be perfect, and then obviously there will be more of a you know, there's an M. Bison presence. There is some shenanigans going on at the tournament that they have to work together. Interject to for overcome. a second to
0: say, I appreciate that you just said the best part of the movie, the most important part of the movie, the theme song, like. that's how good it's gonna be i get it but (laughs) and while there is
3: not yet a like a notable street fighter theme song that you can sing out loud like you can the mortal Kombat one this will cement that in history
0: Mm, it's a good point
3: comes after the post credit the post credit scene (gasps) we see a backyard birthday party happening ryu ken sitting on lawn chairs ryu's daughter celebrating her birthday the best way she knows how Her and all of her friends sitting in front of a giant inflatable screen in the background with a projector playing Mega Man, the movie we just watched a few years earlier. A mail courier walks up to Ryu and Ken and gives them one letter, addressed to both of them, curiously. Has no return address, no stamp. They open it up. Camera zooms in on a simple card that says you're invited to the most important fight of all, with the UNSC logo below it. Black screen, white text, Ryu and Ken will return. (laughs) Whoa. Goosebumps again, y'all. Goosebumps again.
0: Real quick. Real Dilling quick. It. What's this one called again? This one is called
3: Street Fighter
0: World Battle Tournament. Got it. Got it. Uh, here's the thing. This one right here is Pander City because you're like, oh, man, takes place in Montreal. But we're not going to actually mention any of the iconic Montreal landmarks outside of the Olympic Stadium because we don't actually care about Montreal. And we're just trying to get cozy to award us a victory on this one. But you know what? Want it all. You know what? How dare you, sir? I love Montreal a lot. Not as much as I loved the Alice, uh, the Madness of Wonderland pitch from just before this one, but enough to put this one at the number two spot.
3: We'll take it. We'll take it.
0: All right, yellow team. Are you guys ready for your next killer pitch?
4: Yes, I can go on this one. You guys are talking about classic sports movies, right? Fighting, you know that classic kind of uh, an idea. Well, we've got a classic sports movie for you. It's a little movie called Fight Night. Okay, guys, remember this. Okay, Fight Night. Night. Very good.
2: Colin Farrell, the remake of the movie Fright Night. Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> That's the one <laughs>
4: they're
1: visiting
2: right now.
4: Qu- a vampire. Quickly, I'm,
2: I'm changing. I'm changing the casting one second Okay. one second. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll
4: talk through it as you're doing this thing. So basically it's a sports movie. It's an underdog movie. That's what doesn't pl- take place in Canada because the main setting is not a prison, and Canada is above imprisoning every citizen imaginable for petty crimes. That's true so You're, good. you're Absolutely good on that true.
0: One. Uh-huh. All right.
4: so it's an underdog story about a man named Andre Bishop who's in prison for selling and possessing drugs. Um, While he's in prison, he meets a friend uh, named Ace, played by Bill Hader, who... um, We'll get to that in a second, but it's his friend, Bill Hader. He's in there. Uh, So basically, Andre Bishop has been sentenced to a long time in prison for selling drugs. Uh, During yard time, some inmates get into some fights, and he's like, oh, man, you know, I'm in prison wrongfully. What's going on here? Turns out... That the warden is running a legal fight ring in the middle of the prison. The warden, played by David Harbour. Mm, Don't know if he's Canadian, but he's a fun actor. Um, (laughs) And his right-hand man, uh, Franco, who's like the corrupt head of the guard, played by Bill Skarsgård. All right. So, Andre and Bill Hader.
2: His name is Ace, by the way. His name <laughs> is Ace.
4: <laughs> He's like, hey, I've got to go through these fights. I need to train. I need to get out of here because the prize of winning the fight night is an early release from prison. Ooh. So the whole idea is like, hey, we've got to go through this fight. There's a reward at the end, but you're going to get to shit beat out of you on your way there. Um, um, Eric, do you want to take over? for me because yeah, I like jumped all over Got this.
2: So, um Ace is has offered to train Andre in essentially boxing cuz Andre is like some lanky college kid who doesn't know how to fight. Um and as the this kind of goes on, we get to see that like mentor um student relationship develop between Ace and Andre and we find out that um so Andre's in prison for cuz his college roommate named Owen framed him for having drug possession and um and for selling it. Uh, he wants out because he doesn't, doesn't deserve to be here you find out that ace is in prison because he uh he did a murder um because Andre's like hey why don't you if you're such a great boxer why don't you go and do it and ace goes yeah well, like I was on track to become like one of the best boxers in the country and now I'm here because I killed a guy um and it was in essentially uh defense of somebody else and to get revenge on them and he essentially says uh I, yeah I killed somebody and I kind of deserve to be in prison for it Um, And he wants Andre to get out, A, to get his life back and B, so he can go and find this person to check up on them for him. Um, And he tells him not to feel bad about it because he knows this person feels bad about it. Um, Tell them I love them. Tell them I would do this all again for them. Wouldn't think twice about it. As it goes on, we do the fighting. There is a woman in the prison as well who is the daughter of the warden who uh, hates all this underground fighting stuff and has been trying to find a way to essentially help make it stop. And, you know, she becomes the third person in this, like, bit. She helps train them because, of course, she knows how to fight because what are you talking about? This is a sports movie. Uh, And it all culminates in this final fight where, Adam, do you want to take over and explain the the final fight? We've done all the tournament stuff. They've done all the training. Um, Andre has been punched his way all the way to the top. And it's the final fight. It's the final <laughs> fight night. And if he wins this, he gets his early release.
4: He gets his freedom. Yes. Yeah, so the, the climax of the movie again, fight night. We're all here. But the warden brings in a bit of a ringer. Mike Tyson shows up at the jail court. He's <laughs> serving a two month <laughs> sentence for fighting. Uh, I'm not going to do it out on a plane. Right. So it's like, oh, shit. Who are we going to face for the last time? I ran through everybody. Mike Tyson literally shows up in the movie. Andre's like, yo. Is that Mike fucking Tyson? What is this punch out? And then, I mean, here we go. Not, and then you not know, him. An
0: Owned franchise, by the way.
4: We we cleared it. We already cleared it. Don't yeah, worry we about already it. cleared it. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. And he's like, I can still do this, right, Ace? Not a chance, kid. Just try not to die. So Mike Tyson is our surprise actor, you know, thing at the end that we have to overcome. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. You can retake it.
2: The fight happens, Andre wins, but McQueen, who's been hell-bent on trying to make sure Andre doesn't win, uh, doesn't plan on going through with it, he hauls Andre off and basically goes on the big villain rant at the end of the movie about how he's been trying to keep him him in the prison, because um, uh, Andre's roommate who framed him is Owen McQueen, who is the, the warden's son, and it was the warden who set up the fall for Andre to take, and he needs him to stay in the prison, otherwise his son could get in trouble for it. But then his daughter walks out, having recorded this entire confession, and she says, "You let him out early, or I'm going to send this to the press, basically, and you're going to this is going to be way worse for you." So the movie ends with Andre uh, walking out of the prison and getting into a car with um, with the warden's daughter, and they drive on, off into the sunset.
4: Played by Zendaya, by the way.
2: Yes, yeah, she's played by Zendaya.
0: Once again. I'm incredibly impressed by the level of detail that has gone into this pitch. Clearly, you guys marinated on this one for quite some time. Here's my thing. Unlike a very basic puerile level, like I feel like one of the things that these movies need to accomplish is I need to go into this movie as a non-fan of Fight Night, who has never played a Fight Night game before, and I need to come out of it being like, oh man, I'm really into this Fight Night business now, this seems great. I didn't walk out of that pitch being like, oh man, I'm in love with this. But, I do respect that it is, like, a pretty solid, standalone movie from front to back that isn't dependent on whatever's going to happen in its sequel to kind of justify its events and make sense of what you just witnessed. And so for that reason, it is going to go at number five on the list above Mega Man.
1: Can I ask the host a question real quick? Yes. Now you say this, this pitch did not make you want to go out and like buy fight night, didn't want to get into fight night. Did this pitch make you want to go and watch the 2008 movie Death Race? (laughs)
4: <laughs> no no
1: idea what you're referencing i recommend you check out the movie death race because they replace the- boxing with car combat and that's pretty much it that sounds amazing this <laughs> is surprisingly the- close this isn't
0: the sylvester stallone movie that he did before rocky
1: no this is jason statham okay hold on right it is right at his peak <laughs> i think crank had either about to come out or, or had just come out okay well, I'll keep it in
0: mind. All right, Red Team, are you ready for your next pitch? We have a question. We have yes. a question, Cosy. Um,
3: as a hypothetical, let's uh-huh. say we prepared because we advance. took
1: we did understand the assignment potentially so too we did, well. We did. Uh-huh.
3: Uh, hypothetically, we we prepared something that all of this is building towards. Uh huh. Is that movie included in our five, or is that going to be part
0: of the next round? Because that will influence what we show you next. Here's what I'll say. The Marvel Cinematic Universe had multiple nexus points. You had the original Avengers movie from 2012. You had Age of Ultron a few years later, and you had the two Infinity War movies. So if you have a big inflection point movie where everything comes together. You can still pitch it as part of the first round because there will be more and more things to come after that. You don't need to hold it back if you are concerned that that might hurt you in the long term because okay, trust so me when I say there are many is... more punches that we need to contend with in the coming rounds. Okay.
3: Right. We we will take that into account and uh I will I will take that on our fifth entry. Asa, I'm going to let you take our fourth one.
1: Okay. So, number 4 is I think we all saw this franchise coming. Obviously, you cannot talk a Capcom cinematic universe uh, without including Bionic Commando. Okay. Um, It was an obvious choice. What Canadian Uh, city does it take place in? I don't understand how you would just assume that we would do something like that, but since you asked, it does take place um, at the military base located uh, partially uh, in stunning Cold Lake, Alberta. Uh, okay. we're in the 1960s uh, it very, stars Ryan very Gosling location all right <laughs> uh it stars Ryan Gosling as the commando. uh Michael Ironside is the voice of the Bionic arm that is attached um, and then America's actor uh plays our villain that we'll get to here uh is played by Tom Cruise. okay? We are decades removed from a post-global conflict. Um, this is set in a strange alternate timeline where somehow Nazism has not been fully eradicated. Um, obviously, we're very unfamiliar with that kind of future in the real world, so, you know... Uh, look on
4: Canada, still got Nazis in the 60s, huh? It's
1: it's unfortunate. I mean, it's a weird... It's, this is a weird, bizarro world, Adam, that, that, that we would uh, find ourselves in. Uh. The bads, as they're called in the American version of the game. With 2Ds. With 2Ds. Two two D's. Very important that the 2Ds get noted. Uh, have taken over the military base in Coldwater, Alberta, and it is up to one man and his experimental talking bionic upgraded weapon to reclaim the army base, to reclaim the city and potentially reclaim the world from the threat of tyrannical fascism and escaping the Iron Grasp Of the since-revived, not-actually-dead Robot Hitler, played by Tom Cruise. Great. We see the commando is dropped alone behind enemy lines. He has nothing but his wits and his... His his, uh, bionic arm that he uses as a variety of upgrades. Uh it isn't just the grappling hook he does uh he can use it as a weapon, he can use it as a long-range weapon as a rifle. Uh he can use it as obviously it's metal so it's got good melee power. Um but the the dynamic between the commando and the arm is really at the crux of the story because it is an experimental procedure. This is a one-of-one arm. Uh, The arm believes he should be attached to the best and the brightest and the the absolute top prospect soldier. However, because of the nature of this experiment, really, is what it is, they they couldn't do that. They they couldn't sacrifice the best and the the brightest. They had to go to Ryan Gosling, who is a very, very uh, dedicated person. He's a very, very talented, strong, uh, smart individual, but he's got that rebel streak in him. He doesn't always follow orders like he needs to, whereas the arm very by the book, it knows all of its uh all of the laws, all of the procedures, all of the, the standards. It knows that. So whenever the commando wants to go off and be like, no, we need to do it this way. That is how it's that it needs to be done, uh it gets some the some fallback on by the arm. Ultimately, they learn to accept one another. They learn. Commando learns that his way isn't always the best way. Uh, The arm learns that sometimes rules just have to be broken for the for the greater good. Uh, Ultimately, they they reclaim this this pivotal army base. They reclaim uh, the the city and free it from the grips. Um, Unfortunately, the moment that we've been waiting for, that we've been building for the 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 final conflict. Between Robot Hitler and the Commando, uh, Robot Hitler does escape. Obviously, leaving open, leaving things open to a sequel because this is going to be again—you're you not just going to get one Bionic Commando movie. Clearly, this is a this this is a building a foundation of Capcom. Uh, as for the post-credit scene, which of course is going to be very very important, the Commando is swinging away from another exploding Bad's base. He has liberated another base, another uh, another city from the grips of ba- the Bad's. Um, As he launches his arm up, he launches the grappling hook. He grabs on to a tree branch. He swings through, and instead of landing safely on the cliffside, he finds himself falling, landing in an office chair where he rolls straight into a table, slamming into this this table. He looks around. It is the far future for him. Uh, He doesn't have any idea what's going on. Wait, how did he get to the far future? Uh, He had swung through a Uh, A portal that had opened up so he thought he was going he thought he was getting ready to land uh but he doesn't actually make it to the cliff instead this thing opens up catches him that momentum he lands in the chair he slides forward and from behind him he hears a voice that says you're late but now everyone's here we can get started
3: uh, I mean, bionic gotta... <laughs> commando will return. Black
1: screen, white text. Bionic commando will honest. return.
3: And the silhouettes, hold on, the silhouettes that you see might be familiar to you from our previous <laughs> entries in this I universe. missed that and I
1: apologize. That's my fault. Uh as he looks around, it, the light is bright cuz he was it, this was at nighttime he's swinging. He's inside the bright fluorescent lights. I don't, did they have that in the '60s? He doesn't. It's very bright, but you see, you do see the silhouettes. You see the Mega Man silhouette. You see Ryu and Ken. Um, you see uh, uh, Frank West. You know, potentially, maybe there's other seats that are filled by other people that you don't, you don't, you, you recognize. But you don't, you don't. The audience doesn't really know who. Like, who's this? Who's that? That looks a lot like so and so.
3: And the voice we hear, we we don't see the body that it belongs to, but the voice we hear. Canadian actor Will Arnett who has (laughs) not been in any of our other films yet
0: great
1: where where did he come from who's he playing
0: I gotta be honest with you guys I was actually pretty distracted during this pitch because I'm a huge fan of Bionicle and every time you you would say bionic i was like oh man are we talking about a bionicle movie now it's bionic <laughs> commando
1: if um, capcom had made a bionic commando that would be my entire Or if capcom had made a bionicle game that would be my entire identity mm-hmm.
0: yeah i mean i don't know it's not terrible but like i just feel like there are a lot of weird decisions and missed opportunities <clears throat> for one and, and i am actually being serious when i say this don't you think that the relationship between the guy wielding the arm, I don't even remember who he is, and the arm itself should be reversed? Like, shouldn't the arm be kind of like the venom on his shoulder being like, you can do this, and you can just pulverize your enemies, and he's, like, trying to keep himself and the arm in check? Like, I'm a little bit surprised that you would have the arm be the kind of, like, straight-laced figure, and him be, like, the more, kind of, like, raging commando.
1: To me, it's because it is the military-issued equipment. It is the... It is the personification of that military industrial machine, all kind of distilled, consolidated so like, into this one perfect weapon.
0: In this continuity, his arm is not like his dead robotic wife that was converted. I was going to say, his
4: wife was supposed to be the arm guys. That's lore.
0: I was going to say, that's a bit of a missed Uh-oh. opportunity there. It's
1: almost like this is a adaption, like an adaptation of hmm. the lore. Yeah, like done. The most He's successful cinematic direction.
3: universe of all time, the MCU, also didn't follow exactly the comics as they went.
0: I, I the will say, I also that. I also <laughs> don't love him just swinging through a portal and ending up in modern day. I feel like you had a prime opportunity to do a Captain America-esque ending there, where he gets, like, frozen or something or other. He gets locked in suspended animation, and then he wakes up in modern day after his, like, little cryo-sleep or what have you, but... As it stands, like, again, I don't absolutely hate this, but I'm afraid it's going to have to go at dead last at number seven.
1: This is all because when we were kids, I grabbed that last Donatello action figure from the <laughs> KB toy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Alex has always hated me ever since that moment. Yep. Yell team. Yep. Let's go. Uh,
2: I just want to say I love that ending scene. Oh, I, the, the fact that it make sense. The idea of falling into a portal and then landing in an office chair. Very fun. Um, oh, that's amazing.
4: I will say so, really quickly, because mm-hmm. we have, by the way, this next pitch does have Will Arnett in it, but heads up. Okay. But I, there's so many good actors in this. Do we just want to talk about the actual main story? And if they, if he has questions about amazing actors.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna, actors. Uh, yeah, we're
2: we're going to skip the casting on this. We're gonna, this is a really say, fast
0: one. Real quick, we've been recording for close to an hour at this point, and we are still not in round one. So, again, <laughs> this I'm not going to put a timer on this, but let's, <laughs> you know, get this out real quick. I'll just say the cast
4: is really, really good.
2: So uh, this one here we're pitching actually, this is a mini series, not a movie. So we're coming with okay. actually with a, a series of little of show of show. Uh, this is going to be a murder mystery, a drama, ensemble cast romance kind of a thing., uh, mm-hmm. come with me. So when Brandy broke, Played by um, Samara Weaving, receives a house as an inheritance after the death of a family member. Nothing can prepare. Yes, hi. What? Uh Yeah.
0: (laughs) What EA franchise is this?
2: We're going to. I need you to stick stick with me. Stay with (laughs) me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay. After the death of a family member, nothing can prepare her and her sons for life in Pleasant View. Everything seems perfect at first, if not a bit eccentric, but as the Brokes become closer to their neighbors, they realize that not everything is as pleasant as it seems. Then the murders start people drowning in pools kitchens being set ablaze firework incidents people claim to see bella goth played by jennifer aniston a woman who went missing two years ago haunting the neighborhood appearing right before everybody is found fingers start to point tensions rise and the neighbors must come together to catch a killer before their population hits zero uh, with nearly 20 neighborhoods to franchise and numerous families with dramas to pull from welcome to our miniseries version of the sims
0: boom uh- Okay.
2: Inspired by Little Fires Everywhere, Pretty Little Liars, Final Destination. It is a miniseries that has a ton of family dramas in it. There, We have casted, I think, like six families alone that all have interconnected stories. Uh, it is a miniseries directed by Ryan Johnson, who's done Knives Out, uh, other things that Ryan Johnson has done. Go. Poker Face. Uh huh. That's the other. Uh-huh. Day. <laughs> uh-huh. Everyone's uh-huh. The least favorite Star Wars
0: think.
4: movie. <laughs> oh, the best Star Wars movie, actually.
2: Mm hmm. So yeah, this is a mini series that can be done in a ton of different settings over and over and over again, creating a franchise in and of itself of small shows, like American Horror Story
1: in? but murder mystery. Mm-hmm. Isn't the idea how how would this tie into any of the previous? Uh... Let
2: us let us cook. Let us cook.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. I, was, huh? I just thought we were eating already so it's weird that the cooking needs yeah. to still happen That was the like, this is jan's dinner, dinner parties you
3: get invited to where they don't this is 11 like p.m this
2: is this is one in of those Spain. like no, no 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 this is the most fancy like um, uh, courses of meals that you sit and you enjoy every single bite
4: yeah you wash it's your hands the in the that and it's not. you soup. oh it
3: was mm-hmm. all the same human that you ate
2: every course was the same <laughs> <human>. <laughs> welcome welcome to murder mystery uh yeah, yeah, no, the and I was, yeah, we casted like a whole bunch of families and stuff with this. There's a it is a lot of folks, but yeah. So uh, we pitched you, welcome to Pleasant View, um, a an mini series murder mystery. I mean,
0: I like the idea of you know taking the you know fairly family friendly Sims franchise and you know giving it a, a little bit of a edgy reimagining. I, I I really do like that. Now, I mean, that's just how you play the Sims, though, right? You're taking right.
2: ladder rules you're making doors go away
0: yeah now i will say a a little slightly against rules have it be a miniseries as opposed to a movie but but to be fair the mcu does that as well we've had wandavision we've had Mm -hmm. loki uh i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna rank this one at number four uh above mass effect archangel underneath dead rising i think It being a miniseries, even though I just said that it was kind of against rules, I actually think that's what gives this one a bit of a leg up, just because it's pretty distinct from a lot of the other entries on this list in terms of its format. All right, guys. Are we ready for the final pitch from round one from Team Capcom? In the
3: culmination of everything, like the assignment said to do, let us tell you about a movie called Versus. Okay? You may recognize that title it harkens back to things like Marvel versus Capcom, SNK versus Capcom, all of these things. It's just called versus. All of this has been leading to one event in particular. In our timeline in 2018, Capcom Vancouver closed permanently. No longer to make video games, Dead Rising 5 being canceled. What happens after that? Microsoft loses the console wars. Xbox no longer in first place, and in fact, it's fallen far from. In the far, far, far future, it is bleak. And we know that this is the inflection point. This is what causes all of that to happen. The closing of Capcom Vancouver. (laughs) Master Chief, everyone. Canadian (laughs) actor Will Arnett playing Master Chief because Microsoft owned a minority stake in canada in capcom vancouver
1: and also don't worry we cleared it
3: It's it's true we cleared it master chief has been going throughout these timelines and assembling a team of capcom's greatest rosters to fight everyone else in 2017 and 2018 who released killer games causing capcom vancouver to fall out of the spotlight here's our pitch this happens all over the city of Vancouver. Summer 2018, just before the closure of the studio. Master Chief comes to Vancouver from the future, they figured out time travel, obviously, and is attempting to stop the closure of the, the studio. Microsoft has realized this, they are making sure that their minority stake in Capcom Vancouver is the, it's the key to their success. And if they could just keep that from going under, they can actually come out on top and save the world. So Master Chief is recruiting these these characters. We see Frank, Rest, Frank West, Ryan Reynolds, we see Master Chief, we see Bionic Commando, we see Ryu and Ken, we see Mega Man, we see beautiful Joe for the first time, sparking further interest in the cinematic universe for extra movies coming in phase two. Not only would you see these folks, we see Master Chief leading them into battle to systematically take out all of the opposing games that stole the air from Capcom in 2017 and 2018, including Kratos, Aloy, Link, Peter Parker, Mario, and Cade That is our movie, it is versus, it is the Capcom Vancouver crew and Master Chief versus all of the other shit that caused them to go under. I'll let you figure out for yourselves where that all lands. post credit scene, two years later, Vancouver is restored. It's beautiful again. There are Dead Rising 5 billboards everywhere, meaning we actually succeeded. Capcom Vancouver is back alive.
1: And it's great. Dead Rising and 5 is great. They didn't do a gritty great. reboot.
3: Metacritic of 98. We wow. zoom out. We zoom out to see a man standing even on the a rooftop of a building. No, not a 99. There are, there are <laughs> the always going to be stinkers out there that just write things bad for no reason. We zoom out, and on the rooftop, we see a man in a black trench coat black sunglasses talking into an earpiece with an umbrella logo on it saying i've tracked leon to a city in british columbia confirming we're on for project t Boom, fade to black
1: also the a real quick cinematic
3: note, universe will return
1: real quick note uh because we weren't sure if we were going to be allowed to use the crossover pitch as our fifth movie or if it was going to be, if we were going to be tied to another just actual franchise. We do have a full pitch for the Beautiful Joe movie that will follow. It'll be the next movie uh, following Versus, uh, and it is starring Nathan Fillion.
0: Okay. Uh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll save that Canadian, until Randy later.
1: James? I'm sorry? Is, 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 is Nathan is Canadian? Canadian? I don't, I am not yeah, even do sure. And you know what? I think he is. He probably is.
2: I think he is. He's
1: that he great what and I'll talented. Say.
2: I'm on it.
1: I'm
0: on it. I'm on it.
2: Canadian, yeah. Oh wow! Damn, I got all the best actors. He's both. He's both. Fair. Here's what I'll
0: say about versus. Um, I really like the idea of like the kind of core thing that they're fighting over in versus being the closure of an actual real life Capcom studio. That's actually a really original idea. I like the idea of these movies actually kind of calling attention to the real life injustices and realities of working in the video game industry of the actual people that were responsible for bringing these characters to light. Um, I don't love the fact that you guys lean so heavily into characters that are not predominantly known for being part of Capcom. I know that you said that you cleared master chief and I respect and understand that, but like, I feel like it would have hit so much more if you guys were like, Oh, it's, I don't know, Dr. Light from Mega Man or some other wizened Capcom character who you could theoretically imagine pulling characters from portals from different time periods from throughout history. Um, as it stands, but it's, it's verse it's in a, it's in Capcom's DNA. Marvel is not a Capcom
3: thing, but man, Marvel versus Capcom two specifically.
0: So as let me it take it for a ride. Again, okay. I really, really like the central thing that they're fighting over in this movie. However, Ultimately, I gotta put it at number three, uh, above Dead Rising, but underneath Street Fighter World Battle Tournament. I think that Street Fighter World Battle Tournament just had a better, like, emotional core to it, and also I feel you know actually centered around actual Capcom characters. That's, Again, that's fair. That's fair. not bad, but feel like you could have ended it with just a little bit more oomph. But obviously, we still have more games to come. Are the EA Teamsters ready for their
4: final pitch? Adam, Do yeah. you want me to do this? All right. Yep. This is a good one. We decided to have a fun with the last, and let me get through the pitch before you ask any questions, okay? <laughs> because it, by the way, it's all been cleared. So, what does everybody, <laughs> <laughs> what does everybody love? Road trips, comedies, musicals, perhaps nostalgia, all that good stuff, right? Our idea is a really cool road trip movie. Let me walk you through it. Femur League is an old washed-up rock band that played across Florida State in the 90s. Quentin Lance, played by Zach Efron, a married man who works in 95, still dreams of the glory days of traveling around the states playing with the boys. One day he gets a call from an old friend. We'll let you know who that is in a little bit. Asking if they want to uh, be the backup band for them at Coachella. He immediately says yes without consulting the bandmates and then goes to gather his old friends for a road trip across the country, just like old times. Mmm. Don't you feel that apple pie? It tastes like nostalgia. It's great. Uh, Tommy LaRock, played by Taika Waititi, is the eccentric music teacher at the local high school. He's actually rather content with his life and doesn't want to go. But seeing Lance so excited has him go, oh, what the hell, why not? But in a New Zealand accent uh they head up to Orlando to find Penny Twilight played by Karen Gillan who works as a drummer in Pandora at, <laughs> at Disney World I didn't read that part before her <laughs> she works at uh, Pandora okay she's eager to throw down her sticks and quit her job on the spot they find bassist Elroy Bogart Jr played by Will Farrell working as a single father for Cassie Jones or Casey or Cassidy Jones excuse me played by Storm Reed uh, Elroy took her in after the original drummer Isaac Jones, played by John C. Riley, died, and has been raising her as a single father. Um, she demands to come along as a rhythm guitar player, and off the band goes. So femur leap, uh, excuse me, femur leak goes on a trip across the country, stopping to play practice gigs at every festival and bar they can. At some point, Tommy gets shingles and has to leave, and Cassidy <laughs> sees her chance to become the new lead guitarist. The young prod- uh, prodigy rock star Robert Hart's. How do you say this man's last name? David, what is it? I think,
2: I think it's Mizzou's.
4: Mizzou's, Swoops David in. David Mazouz. Yes. A uh, new rock star guy swoops in, wows the older members, and gets the position. jinks, soul-searching, and comedy ensues until the band finally reaches Coachella, where it's revealed that Jack Black and Tenacious D is Lance's old friend. Remember oh. at the beginning of the movie when they said, come, come hang out with us? Um, and the climax of the movie is they finally get up on stage to perform with Tenacious D, and they perform a rock version of Powerline. To close out the movie.
0: Oh,
2: and that... throughout their journey, they're accosted by a rival band, uh, Connect Three, played by the Jonas Brothers.
0: Okay, uh, the power line thing that definitely raised this one by quite a few slots. What's this one called again?
4: Uh, this movie is called Rock Band.
0: Perfect. Perfect. There's, There's actually a joke at confirm.
4: the end of the movie when they get to Coachella and they're getting checked in, and they're the two guys at the thing, played by uh, Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart, are like, "Hey." you guys need to check in What's your band name. Like, Oh man, we forgot. We're so drunk. I think it's femur or something. You know what? Your guy's name rock band. So they are the rock. Uh, band. Very, very clever. Very clever.
0: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put this one at the number five slot. Uh, Underneath Dead Rising, but above The Sims miniseries, Th- that last-minute reveal of uh, the Powerline ballad from the uh, Goofy movie, like that, definitely made this one bump up by quite a few oh, slots. On, I feel on, like. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, I, need, it, I need Chad? to
3: challenge. I need to challenge Adam's knowledge. What is it, I, Chad? They're singing. They're singing the song Powerline. The no, they are Powerline?
4: singing Powerline songs. They are performing Powerline, as in the name artist. Name one or two of Powerline eye to eye.
3: What's the, what's a second one?
4: I can look it up in my research.
2: I'm going to sing okay. one, right? If, they, if you don't want to have them do too many songs at the okay. end of the movie, okay. otherwise you're going to lose your attention. They just have to do okay. the one.
0: I'm sure that in the modern day, like Skrillex or what have you did like a, a remix of eye to eye or something. Like they'll probably play that as well. But
4: now it's Jack Black and Zac right? Efron mm-hmm. and Will Ferrell exactly. and everybody. Yeah. The Jonas Brothers are mad in the, in the crowd that they couldn't <laughs> get on stage. It's great. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, this pitch, I mean, much like the Fight Night pitch, I didn't walk out of this being like, oh man, I just absolutely adore Rock Band now, but you got some good people in that movie. Again, Powerline, Powerline, I'm going to say it many, many times from here on out. I, I can't put it super high, but yeah, it's going at number five.
4: Now, uh, and with Rick, that, before you move on, yes, do you want to say this last statement, uh, or do you want to say that for later?
2: I mean, if you wanted to go for it, go for it.
4: You read it, because it's funnier.
2: It's funnier? Okay. Uh, so anyway, as you've noticed, um, we don't really have a grander universe. We don't have our big finale movie that sweeps everything up, um, because instead of appealing to EA's desire to make like one franchise limited to this like one little sandbox that requires all of these like disparate stories from their like beautiful narrative catalog to be forced into one story, uh, we've decided to appeal to their greed instead. So our shared universe is just electronic arts, uh, the actual studio themselves. We're providing them with the best chance to make money from all of their possibles, all their possibles, all their properties as possible by delving into different styles of movie, doing the mini series, going into genres, making movies for kids. We wanna have them go across the board. It prevents fati- uh, franchise fatigue because now they're no longer, oh no, I have to go and watch 15 million EA movies to get and to watch the newest one. No, you have a smaller franchise that you can come and bring back whenever you want to. You get to see your favorite characters also uh, without having to them be like bogged down by someone trying to force Mario into the movie when Mario doesn't really need to be there. So I think that this is much more stylistically appropriate for EA as a studio and also does a better service to the actual properties that EA has in their catalog.
4: Thank you very much for that closing statement.
0: really respect that. I'm just gonna forewarn you, you might need to break with that in some of the latter rounds. But until then... Speaking Until then, of ladder
3: rounds, cozy.
0: Chat, I need to we, read the list. Step, make it can quick
3: before the, the wall real quick. I've got like 40 minutes because I have to get to this CVS before eight o'clock.
0: Okay. Are we well, able to wrap
3: this up before then?
0: I might have to drop a round or two, but we'll make it work. All right. Okay. Uh so far, our list is as follows. Number ten, we have Bionic Commando. Number nine, we have Mega Man, Rise of the Robot Masters. And number eight, we have Fight Night. Number seven, we have Mass Effect Archangel. Number six, we have The Sims miniseries. And number five, we have Rock Band. Number four, we have Dead Rising. And number three, we have Versus, featuring Master Chief and a whole lot of non-Capcom characters. Number two, we have Street Fighter World Battle Tournament. And at number one, still holding on strong, we have Alice, the Madness of the Wonderland. And with that, it's time for round two of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Fair competitors of Pitch Perfect. I have to be honest with you, I don't really feel like you really plumbed the depths of what EA and Capcom's gaming libraries have to offer. You certainly doled out some established, successful properties that many people know and love, but we're here to build cinematic universes that represent everything these brands have to offer, no matter how obscure or irrelevant. In the lead-up to the show, I told you to come prepared with thought-out ideas that you would be pitching to me, but now that we're in the show's second round, it's time to improvise. In a moment, I'm going to ask the four of you, one by one, to pick a random number and a random letter. Based on the number and letter chosen, you'll each be given both a random EA or Capcom property that hasn't been mentioned yet, and a random film genre. Stew on your selections, let them marinate deeply within your mind... And when I say that it's time, you have to pitch me on how you would make a movie out of this property within this genre and how you would fit it into your burgeoning cinematic universe. If your improvised pitch is a winner, I'll slot it on the list where it belongs and shift everything that's beneath it down a slot. But if it fails to win my favor, it won't make the list. All sounds good? Yes. Yes. All right. Team Capcom. I want the two of you to pick a number
1: between one and ten. Uh, Chad, if I may, one, two, three, four, five. Five star man.
3: Oh, nice. Are
0: fractions allowed? (laughs) And (laughs) I'm going to go with nine. Okay, five and nine. All right, all right, all right. And I want you to pick two different letters between A and E.
1: I'll go with C for Capcom.
0: I'm going to go for...
3: Oh, wait. Oh, got it. I'm going to go for D. That way we're cock and dick.
0: <laughs> cock and dick. <laughs> yes. I was gonna say again, mine stands for
1: Capcom. Asa, <laughs>
0: you are going to do a mockumentary based on the Darkstalkers franchise. And Chad, you're <laughs> going to pitch a sports movie Based on the Okami franchise. Chad loves sports.
1: <laughs> real quick, real quick, did you say mockumentary or documentary? Mockumentary. Mockumentary. Thank you.
0: All right, Team AA, Same thing. I need you, the two of you to pick uh, a number between one and ten. Two.
2: I'll take seven.
0: Two and seven. All right. And second verse, same as the first. And you need to pick two letters between A and E. E.
2: Uh, B. Bingo.
0: Adam, Mm -hmm. you are going to do a film noir movie based around Mirror's Edge.
4: Oh, fuck, I love that.
0: Ari, (laughs) you're going to do a found footage movie Based around the Madden franchise. <laughs> ah, man, I, I, I love these randomly selected nonsenses. Are we ready to go, Team Capcom? I am. Remember, Chad has to be at the bodega in 40 minutes, so do it for Chad.
3: Yes. Uh, let's, let's let Asa go first.
1: Okay. Uh, so, the mockumentary Doc Stalkers The Night warriors uh what this is is as everyone knows the dark stalkers dark stalker it's hard to say though the dark stalkers franchise is all about the merging of the planet earth with the dark realm and in that process all of the monsters of myth and legend uh come out and battle one another uh this mockumentary is about a team that has been researching about this once every 150 year tournament that takes place uh, it begins with them doing research, finding all of these examples of the and uh, uh, land. Oh, my brain just completely turned off with the word that I'm looking for all of this evidence of previous tournaments, um, bits of things that aren't of this world, uh, skeletons that people deem hoax uh, hoaxes or just, you know, unknown. But they know that there's more to it. They know that the fate of the Earth could be involved here Um, as their research leads them farther and farther along. um, And as they're trying to overcome this, these government forces that are trying to keep them away from the Arctic wall, because that does exist. It's not because of flat Earth reasons, obviously, but it is (laughs) the location of the battleground uh, that will ultimately potentially engulf the entire planet and it's up to this team to have to research and try to get the the people of the world aware of what exactly is at stake and what is going on with these as these mythical creatures um have begun to cross over we're getting more and more examples of like these you know haunted houses and and ghosts and the the um What's the fancy word for like Bigfoot and Chupacabra and all of those. They're not of this earth. The cryptid. Thank you. Uh, All of these cryptids, they are actually competitors in this. Um, Ultimately, it leads to the team and Morrigan, the character that the one character from Darkstalkers that everybody knows because of Marvel versus Capcom, uh, having to work together to ultimately see and report the sending away the repelling of these shadow forces to save the earth.
0: I don't feel like there was a whole lot of mockumentary in that pitch, but I do really like the title Darkstalkers of the Night Warriors. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to slot this one at number eight uh, underneath Mass Effect Archangel, but above Fight Night. Chad, I'm going to give you a little more leeway and I'm going to scoot on over to Adam Ooh, okay. and
4: have him hit deliver his pitch next. Okay, so the idea of this movie is Phil Noir, Mirror's Edge, right? So we follow Faith Connors, who's the main character from Mirror's Edge. The entire movie is, again, Noir, so sepia tone, black and white, but there are splashes of reds, yellows, and blues, a la, just like Mirror's Edge is. So, again, mostly dark tones, except for once in a while we get like a red streak. Faith is, um she helps the detective. She's basically like the errand person. Like she helps out. There's a guy who works at a detective agency, she helps him out. So she's running and doing her parkour stuff. She's like, all right, you know, we got a classic New War. You know, there's heist movie. There's, you know, that sort of things. It's like, all right, you got to get into this gangster's house. You got to get the stuff out. So it's her running around the rooftops, getting the stuff, getting out, very stylized, very over the top. So in a twist of the, on the genre, she is the protagonist as well as the femme fatale because sometimes she'll be like, oh, hey, what am I? I'm just a help, well, help, helpless old lady. But then we all know. Faith is a badass, kicks a dude out a window, jumps out with the goods. So it's basically a reverse on a film noir where the helpless female um, main character is actually the protagonist and a total badass and is helping solve crimes and murders in 1950s New York. What's it called? It's called The Mirror's Edge. The Mirror's Edge.
1: That's film noir, baby. You
4: got to put a V in front of it.
1: Come on now. <laughs>
0: that's actually, I, I got to be honest, that's a pretty good title. And, and we've had like many good titles so far. Certainly, this nice. game that we've been playing has not been lacking in good titles, but that was, that was pretty good. Pretty good. Hmm. <clears throat> Where do I want to rank this one? Hmm. You know what? you know what ladies and gentlemen i'm thinking i might be crazy saying this but i'm thinking that we might have a new number two spot on the list
1: nice. in the top five Ooh.
0: that's right i'm putting the Mirror's Edge at number two. I gotta be honest, Adam, I was very pleased with the way that you actually managed to figure out how to take this very unnoir noir esque franchise and actually turn it into a noir, but while also subverting, you know, what you would expect out of the genre. And so, yeah, for that reason, I'm going to put it at the number two spot uh, underneath Alice, the Madness of the Wonderland and Street Fighter World Battle Tournament. These are some very, very hard to pronounce names uh chad are you ready let me let me tickle your fancy alex
3: i'm gonna tell you about a movie I, i'll save the title for the end okay <clears throat> because of the success in our our world defining movie called versus we're able to now take a look into the future at what are some of the things that happened because of that success because capcom in vancouver now exists and has made the world a better place Well, one other thing, far into the future, there's now a new sport, a new race of beings. These gods, these (laughs) dog-like gods that have special powers, right? Yeah. And and part of what Ryu happened to do after winning this battle in verses is that he helped to teach people the power of Hadouken and magic and all of these things. And so in the future, you can imagine there's now a sport where these fire god dogs combining different shaped balls and things like that with the power of Hadouken to get goals and score points and things like that. It's a, it's a new sport that developed because of it. There's one particular dog, Amaterasu, who was born with a broken reflector. If you're not familiar, it's the reflector on the back of him that allows him to channel his fire powers. <laughs> and this is a slight different take on, on the, mm. the origin story, as you will. So this reflector was broken when it was first given to him at birth. And he's not as good as the other dogs in the sport, unfortunately. But he doesn't let that stop him. He continues to train and train and train and get better and learns through hard times and adversity that he himself is enough. He doesn't have to rely on his reflector. He can summon the power from within himself to do Ryu's Hadouken, even without the reflector. And so he ends up winning the championship in this new sport. And this movie is called Amaterasu from Broken
0: to hadoken. Allow me to read from the official Wikipedia entry for Okami, (laughs) the 2006 Capcom game developed by Clover Studio. Set in classical Japan, Okami combines Japanese mythology and folklore to tell the story of how the land was saved from darkness by the Shinto Sun Goddess named amaterasu who took the form of a white wolf
3: and i mentioned we're taking a little bit different origin story for this one because of the events of of verses of course Mm -hmm. yeah there's too many female characters in
2: verses so we gotta
0: i
3: gotta be honest i was (laughs) the moment that you said amaterasu all these kinds of
0: things the moment you said amaterasu was like okay you you actually got that one correct you didn't say that it's same as okami that's great and then you said it was a he (laughs) I'm sorry, Chad. Okay. I'm not even going to rank this one on the list. We
3: don't adhere to, to gender stereotypes here and gender norms. Mm-hmm, we, mm-hmm. Are, we are blind casting everything.
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Wait, yeah, you yeah. do not even
3: like that title? Amaterasu, Broken to Hodoken? <laughs>
0: Between the name yeah. and the correct pronunciation. pronunciation. not very good.
1: All right, honestly, I
2: know. I know. I know. I'm, I'm on your side. The title's phenomenal.
3: If uh, you put
4: sports you. in front of Chad, he does not know what to do.
3: <laughs> Except I fucking knocked it out of the park with that mm-hmm. one.
0: Ari, last pitch of round two. Let's go.
2: Yeah. Uh, So I have, funny enough, I have found footage and Madden, which is basically mockumentary (laughs) and sports. Uh, (laughs) um, No. So, no, this is a movie that's about um, an up-and-coming, like, Zoomer rookie in the NFL doing sort of um, social media documentary, like, recording his entire process from becoming a rookie up until becoming one of the greatest football players in the league. Uh, and the whole story is told through social media posts and like vlogs and news reports and news articles and all of the like of that showing kind of his journey and like this trials and tribulations of doing sportball. <laughs> very and quick, this very simple. larger pitch.
3: cinematic universe again?
2: Oh, you can make like 8 million of these and EA would love that. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh-huh. That's, I mean, that's the pitch. It is it is, it is literally just a collection. It is the the story of you know, in this movie, maybe it's like a young um, uh, somebody who again, again, football through college, all that kind of a thing, getting finally to play in the big leagues and what it's like to kind of join a team and what also is his this, kind of like also rising social media stardom does I, for the team's popularity I, as well.
0: I, I'm just sort of trying to understand, like, is the idea that like all this footage was like recorded on like a handy cam and then somebody discovered mm-hmm. it like hence the found it's footage it's show. almost
2: well so found footage technically is just meant to be sort of things done from handy cam and perspective right so chronicle is also a found footage movie that isn't isn't necessarily as kind of a horror but like it's not required to be a horror it's not required to be ah yes i unburied this footage it, it is all about the perspective itself being kind of from that per- first person the camera itself is a character that like someone's holding and carrying around Directing the host, huh? Bold I looked it up because I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know what? I don't... Much like Fight Night... And to like be fair, Flight it could Knight, be a fan collection. What if it's a, it's, a, it's similar to a video on YouTube? A fan has gone and been like, I compiled all of the vlogs and all of this stuff from Superstar, Mr. John Madden, uh, whatever, again, whatever they name the character in that film because you can make 80 million of these. And EA loves that. Much like Fight Night, I didn't walk away from
0: this one being like, oh, man... Totally love Madden now, but I do respect you justifying why this still counts as a found footage movie. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to rank it at number 10. And with that, our current ranking is as follows. At number 10, the Madden found footage movie. At number 9, Darkstalkers, The Night Warriors. At number 8, Mass Effect Archangel. At number seven, The Sims miniseries. At number six, The Rock Band movie. At number five, Dead Rising. At number four, Versus, featuring Master Chief and many non-Capcom characters. At number three, Street Fighter World Battle Tournament. At number two, The Mirror's Edge. And finally, at number one, still holding out strong, Alice the Madness of the Wonderland. Even though... Team EA occupies the top two spots on the list. Uh, currently, Capcom technically has the advantage because they occupy spots 3, 4, and 5. But that might change in this next round because we have arrived at the final round of Pitch Perfect and the round that will determine who wins the show. My fair contestants, it's time for the grand finale of our cinematic universes. After three rounds of table-setting movies, spinoffs, and wayward genres, and all sorts of other weird stuff. And by the way, I just said three rounds because there was going to be another round in there, but I had to cut it out for time. Uh, it's time for the EA and Capcom cinematic universes to have their Avengers end game moments in this round. Uh, both of your teams will be pitching me a final sweeping crossover movie in which all the characters from every movie you own that are currently on the list will come together to defeat a primordial evil. However, If you already have the perfect villain in mind to be your cinematic universe's Thanos, I'm afraid that you're going to have to dash that thought aside. That's because the final grand opponent of your cinematic universes will be the protagonist of the other team's highest rank entry on the list. So, in the case of Team EA, for example, the villain of your final crossover movie is going to be i presume either ken or ryu or maybe both of them uh, because street fighter world battle tournament is the highest ranked capcom movie on this list and in the case of you capcom guys the villain of your final crossover movie is going to be alice because she is the protagonist of alice the madness of wonderland which is at the number one spot if your team makes the better pitch of how you would pull off this cinematic feat, you'll get to take over the entry on the list currently held by the villain in question. Are we ready?
3: Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so nervous, but yes. Getting and there, specifically, yeah. we have to do the characters that are represented on this list, right? Correct. So for a Capcom, it would be Street Fighter versus Dead Rising. And dark stalkers.
0: Yeah, and likewise, EA will have to pull from the characters of Madden, Mass Effect, Sims, Rock Band, Mirror's so Edge, and okay. Alice. All right, any takers on who wants to go first? Erica's still typing, so no. I'll say, I, I'll I'll just, say I'm listening to what go. we have in the top ten. Yeah, go for
2: All it. All right,
0: Capcom stepping up the pl- to stepping up to the plate. Let's go.
1: So the versus has concluded heroes have fallen. The team that remains, uh, of course is we have street fighters. We had, well, could you pull up that list one more time for me? I'm sorry.
0: Not a problem.
1: Street fighters, dead rising and the dark stalkers. Um, that is going to be our core cast for this because even though versus is still on there, I feel like that's a cop out to just like use the heroes that have already been eliminated. Um, So, what happens is another grave threat to the universe. Alice has unfortunately fallen to the madness. (gasps) Alice herself has become a dark force for evil. After destroying the EA landscape, before destroying potentially other video game landscape companies... Alice has now set her sights on the Capcom universe with one goal in mind. To convert all of the brave heroes of the Capcom universe into soulless, money-making, robotic, cash-spewing pachinko machines. (laughs) What? No. No! At the behest of her evil, capitalistic, AI-controlled masters. She is coming to p- claim all of these properties and just turn them into worthless, soulless cash-grab machines so that the heroes left in our Capcom adventure uh, must stand together, must retain their heart, must retain why they are fighting, why they do what they do, and hopefully, potentially, even free the once-pure, once-magical Alice from the grips of these evil overlords and to restore the dignity and the direction and the art and the heart of all of these franchises. What are we calling this?
3: Goosebumps.
1: Chad, what are we calling this?
3: Pachink, no. (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) I'll
0: take it. All right, that was certainly a pitch, but can Team EA do better?
1: I think we're going to do great there, Chad.
0: (laughs) That was amazing.
1: (laughs) That was certainly
0: a pitch.
4: You continue to type. I'll just set it up at the beginning. What could be a greater enemy to the entire universe than the idea of the movie versus what we're fighting the thing that our characters are dealing with is the cash grab, of the plundering of the properties of another studio and trying to make money off of themselves. The enemy of our movie is the idea of Master Chief pulling and fighting. Hold it's on, it's awful. Hold you guys a, are, are, are. we doing the real wrong quick? Movie? Real quick. No, I have to fight. versus Oh no, I have to fight Street Fighter. <laughs> Scratch that. <laughs> Oh, scratch that I, I I into it, it, it. it is report. so it's not that
2: it, it so was a the good actual idea, but anyways well the yeah. story the 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 story is directly related to this so the the versus universe did not conclude in fact the twistings of the versus universe have caused ripple effect across other franchises across universes that they never even dreamed of and so portals and worlds start crashing together in across, across the ea franchises the the, the, the the rock band group. The car comes crashing through Pleasantville. Uh, the Cheshire Cat comes tumbling up through a drain in the tub and arrives in someone's house. It is a cacophony and it is a mess and it is chaotic and no one knows what to do. Until from on high, these two deliciously muscular men come tumbling down. <laughs> Gross. And they say, do not fear. We have experienced this before. And Ken and Ryu come to act as saviors and they promise to restore the balance of these universes being individualized without having to worry about their homes being destroyed. And it goes great for a while until the people, the characters start realizing that there's something else going on here. And they uncover the plot that Ken and Ryu are actually here, to rec- take people from their universe and bring it back into Versus like they've been plundering from all of the other franchises that they shouldn't be plundering in. And they plan on having them join their terrible fighting tournament just to lose, just to th- make themselves look cool. And our characters cannot stand for this. And so they must band together to send Ken and Ryu back to the Versus universe and keep them there forever.
4: This is what I meant to say. Uh, Ari just said it much better because I was reading it as as maybe it's being typed up. I didn't really understand. That's that's the pitch.
2: Uh,
0: fuck. Mm-hmm. These are both. I gotta be honest. These are both two really good pitches. I feel like I don't remember what the two final pitches were for the last time we did Pitch Perfect. But I feel like one of those pitches was like distinctly <laughs> better than the other one. Both of these, uh, No and. Uh, do you guys have a name for yours?
4: Adam, um, uh, my, my, my computer's breaking up. Continue, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: no. that's a weird name for a movie, but I like it.
2: Um, um, it, um it's independent arts,
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: independent <laughs> arts, electronic uh, a arts, of, a little bit of a mouthful, mm-hmm. but I, I, again, I respect it. I think these are both two really good, really interesting ideas. I like the idea that. Ken and Ryu come through the portal as saviors. You think that they're here to do good. It's a subversion of expectations and then you realize, oh, they've been bad all along and they've been nurturing and fomenting this like insidious plot to just completely tarnish the lives of everybody that they've invaded. Um, at the same time, Chink no, what what an amazing name. And an amazing premise as well. Ah man, and,
3: and you know what you loved about you loved about uh, the Capcom Vancouver and pulling in these very real things like game franchises being destined and doomed to end up as pachinko machines is a very real concern. It is. Like we're pulling that in. I
4: will say that maybe there's a bit on this show that should continue no matter what.
1: <laughs> See, and that's where just that's just full on mask off. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 See? Um, I know. I mean, look, we have we did a very good job. I think flexing and being like, "Oh, we have to connect a bunch of disparate ideas," and I think that the the, the final product that we came up with preparing. there are was now really seventeen
4: solid. pages based I, on what Ari has done. It is
2: amazing, and was, not a single one did, of them connected like the assignment said. I followed the assignment that I was given. <laughs> I'm gonna put that out there.
0: And you delivered some fantastic <laughs> movie pitches no doubt about that uh, man we can
1: all agree that all of these pitches were better than the video game uh theme park ones though oh like i think yeah, we came with, some of those and i came in and ones killed ones, it though? i'm just saying oh <laughs> that's true, <laughs> even that's
0: the true. even the worst pitch on this list that i have in front of me right here definitely better than some of those pitches. I cannot disagree.
3: (laughs) 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 Here's the thing, though.
0: Here's the thing,
3: though. though.
0: (laughs) Here's the thing, though. Ladies and gentlemen, throughout this game show, there was a team. There was a team that, at every possible instance, tried to pander to my Canadian-ness. Oh, man, now it takes place in Toronto. Now it's in Montreal. Now it's in... Some city on the border of Alberta. And I I was very hip to what they were doing. And I chastised them for it. And I criticised them for it. And they would not stop. But at the very last minute, when they pitched Pachinkno, I didn't hear a single instance of some godforsaken new location in Canada <laughs> that Pachinkno would be set. And for that reason, Pachinkno yeah. is going to number one, baby. Yes! <laughs> we
3: did it, traitors. We did it!
0: We did it, buddy!
1: Yes! Yes! I literally... So, a little bit of backstory real quick. He sent me a message. He's like, hey, this is gonna be fun. This is gonna be a good time. I just want you to be aware we won't win. There's a running (laughs) gag that I don't win these episodes. So I told him I am coming in prepared It maybe wasn't 17 pages prepared, but ultimately that ended up being a a positive, I think. Uh, We we came in very very prepared. prepared. I told him I was getting him his win. Chad buddy thank you so
0: much thank you so much Um, congratulations to team capcom the winners and congratulations to team ea who also did very well at the end of the day at the end of the day even though team capcom managed to pull off their victory team ea you know you guys were real contenders as well both of you had an equal number of entries on the list uh if we extend the list just a little bit Uh, beyond uh, what we can currently see at the number 13 slot. Uh, We had Bionic Commando at the very end. Then above that, we have Mega Man Rise of the Robot Masters at the number 12 spot. And at the number 11 spot, we would have had Fight Night. Uh, At the number 10 spot, now visible on the list, we have the Madden Found Footage movie. At number 9, we have Darkstalkers, the Night Warriors. Number 8, Mass Effect Archangel. Number 7, The Sims miniseries. At number 6, Rock Band. At number 5, Dead Rising. At number four, Versus, featuring Master Chief. Uh, at number three, Street Fighter World Battle Tournament. At number two, The Mirror's Edge. And finally, at number one, Pachink No, which I stylized with a dash and an exclamation point. It's exactly how I Because you saw the envisioned. vision. Yep. Yeah, I saw the vision. Whew! And with that... We've arrived at the end of tonight's installment of Pitch Perfect. (laughs) Remember that this production is part of a series of monthly rotating shows we do and that you can enjoy new installments of the show a month early if you subscribe to us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash respawnaimfire. We deeply appreciate your support and encourage any feedback you might have on how we can make these productions even better. Arianasa, thank you so much (laughs) once again for taking your time out of your <laughs> schedule to do this with Carry us through to the end. <laughs> if people wanted <laughs> to find you online or anywhere in the world, where could they do so? And is there anything that you're up to that you would want to plug?
2: Winners first. That
1: sure. Um Yeah. You can find me pretty much any of the social media places, blue sky. Um, the one we're still calling Twitter threads, Instagram, any of that at the five star man uh, with the number five. Um, I host a weekly pro wrestling news review preview uh, podcast. We also talk about like action figures and uh, video game stuff as well within the world of wrestling. San Diego Comic-Con was this past weekend. uh, So we got a bunch of reveals there. So this week, uh, the episode we record on Thursday... Uh, We'll be talking about a bunch of action figures, reveals, as well as ROH's Death Before Dishonor. Um, The show is called Nerdiest Part of the Ring, and you can find us on the social media uh, threads. Uh, I I literally just started an Instagram for it last night, because I'm pretty sure Twitter is finally dying uh, the slow, terrible death that it deserves. Um, uh, But Twitter as well, it's all at Nerdiest Part.
0: People that are part of the kind of funny community will know that you've been kind of a mainstay of it for a little while now. So I'm I'd imagine that we'll probably see more of you pop up here, there, and everywhere within it sometime soon. Or maybe sometime never. Who
2: knows? Fingers <laughs> <laughs> crossed. We'll see. Uh Ari. Um uh, you can find me on the Isle of Misfit Rolls where I play uh D D with uh, Adam on I think episodes live on Twitch most Tuesdays we just finished our actual first campaign we started literally forever ago um, so soon enough we'll be starting a brand new campaign that is going to be a seafaring adventure um, it'll be a lot of fun uh, so that'll be Tuesdays on uh, Misfit Roles Twitch- on Twitch uh, we have Twitter for that as well same name RIP Twitter uh, yeah that's kind of it I don't do socials anymore so just playing into the and d
0: cool 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 And with that, we'd like to thank you once again for tuning in to Respawn Aim Fire. We'll see you next time.